ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It's Nigeria who pick up the points and Australia's progression to the knockout phase of this competition is left in deep, deep peril. Ned Hall, he called it, it's not just peril, it's peril of the deep, deep variety. Coach Tony Gustafson looked a picture of stress on the touchline and there was no shortage of heat for his tactics after the defeat. What went wrong? Can they turn it around? Will Sam Kerr be part of the team for the clash with Canada? That's coming your way in a moment with Neve Owens plus dash of test cricket, a dollop of weekend forecast with the NRL and AFL, and of course, sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. It is a hard day for Matildas fans, and when things are hard, you need someone positive. Thankfully, we have the host of Optus Sports World Cup coverage, a woman who one fan described on Twitter last night as relentlessly positive after that defeat. He went as far to say... Could she please give his eulogy if he were to die? That's the level of positivity we're dealing with. And to be honest, we kind of need it today. Neve, how did it go so wrong for the Tillies? Oh, Stacky, I hope that I'm going to bring some positivity today because you know what? We're still in it. Monday's game is really important against Canada. We could still qualify for the round of 16. But I understand why Tillies fans this morning will be having that extra cup of coffee because it was a really disappointing result last night, but it was also a disappointing performance. A couple of the goals came from defensive errors. I think Mackenzie Arnold, the goalkeeper, won't enjoy watching that game back either. On the back foot defending again here. Had it back towards the goalkeeper. This is a terrible moment for Australia. It's a third for Nigeria. Alana Kennedy nodded it back past Mackenzie Arnold. And Ushuola ran in behind her and knocks the ball into an empty net. It's a third goal for Nigeria. And so when they took the lead... Australia just before half time and we're looking to head into the break in the box seat. Van Egmont side foot strike and Van Egmont scores! Late arrival in the box by the late inclusion in the Australian side. They controlled great sways of the first half. I think we had a lot of hope and optimism but the second half performance the changes that we saw coach Tony Gustafsson make I think all of that left a huge number of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, Tony G was giving some real England cricket vibes in the post-match as he quoted all the positives but kind of eschewed the actual loss. What did you make of his assessment? I was shaking my head listening, to be honest, Stacky. He told us that they were fluid going forward in attack. If you look at some of the stats, we have double amount of final third entries than our average. We had double amount of box entries than our average. Um, we had 28 shots. Um, we scored two goals. So the attacking game was actually much, much improved compared to the to the Ireland game. You know, sometimes you listen to a coach talk and we know that coaches speak with their playing group in mind. They're not trying to talk to us as their audience. But I was thinking, wow, TG, did we watch two different games there? Because I thought in attack, we didn't see that fluidity that we saw against France in the send-off game before the World Cup started. We saw a lot of... Nigeria sitting really firmly in their formation in defence and Australia unable to bring them out of it or to break through or to find space. And so we saw from an attacking perspective, a lot of long balls just whack it long into the mixer and hope for the best stacky. And that is a really worrying sign from an Australian perspective. We have seen that in the past from the Matildas, but I thought that we're in a better place, that we're tactically, we're more astute these days and we had more options. And we didn't see that last night. We saw an attacking change theoretically when we're chasing the game. On a corner kick there, well, we're going to see Claire Polkinghorne thrown into the, uh, the action here. And she comes on 
in the end for Courtney Vine. So that's a curious tactical change there. Polks came into the defensive line and Alana Kennedy, a central defender, pushed forward into our front line. And I think if that's our best option when we're chasing a game of football, well, then we're in a bit of trouble. Certainly felt that way. Does the way that Tony used his bench or didn't, that you've sort of touched on there, does that speak to a lack of trust more broadly in the squad? Because he's come into this tournament preaching depth, but it didn't seem that he believed in the girls on the bench. Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? Because we've heard a lot in the lead up to this tournament from Tony himself about the depth that he has created within this squad, that he's given so many different players an opportunity in this cycle so that we head into this World Cup, a home World Cup, and a huge moment for football in Australia with a depth that didn't previously exist. Well, last night, and admittedly, there was no Mary Fowler and there was no Sam Kerr, but last night, in terms of that depth, we didn't see him go early to Alex Chidiak. Chids came on and had an impact. Cooney cross now to Chidiak, just outside the area. Chidiak cuts in field, left foot strike. Saved by the goalkeeper, safe pair of hands too. Looked good, but she came on very, very late in the piece. His depth and his options involved choosing two of the most experienced and oldest players in the team and two defenders. So I think you're right. Whether it's a lack of depth that exists or a lack of trust, I'm not sure, but it certainly was really worrying last night. All is not lost. What do the Matildas need to do to keep their World Cup dreams alive? Break it down for us. They just need a win, Stacky. We just need a win. We take on Canada on Monday night. At the same time, Nigeria will be playing the Republic of Ireland. The Republic of Ireland, who are already out of knockout contention. This is a really strong Irish team who, yes, are debutantes at this World Cup. They've got the likes of Katie McCabe there. They're physical. They will meet that Nigerian physicality. They play with a bit of a low block as well and look to attack in transition. So they'll be up for it, absolutely. But I think Nigeria will win that game. So in the Australia-Canada game, a draw or a win is good enough for Canada. From an Australian perspective, I think we need to go in knowing that knockout football starts now and nothing but a win will do for the Aussies. Neve, you know people in women's football, big, powerful, connected people. What are those people telling you about Sam Kerr? How likely is it that she gets on the pitch against Canada? I think it is highly, highly unlikely, Saki. And I would love some clarity from Football Australia and from the Matildas on what that road back into the side looks like for Sam Kerr. We were told that she definitely was out for the opening two games. We've heard nothing since then, and we've heard nothing from Sam herself, who is a human being and must be really struggling with how this tournament has played out and how off-script it has been, the build-up, the excitement around her in this Home World Cup was massive. And so I know there would be a huge amount of disappointment there. So I think, one, it's really important to remember the human, but two some clarity and some answers would be really good from the organisation because she's still not training Saki. We know calf injuries are, are tough and they're niggly and they're usually a three to four week minimum. So I think realistically at this stage we're spitballing because we haven't heard, we haven't heard the facts from the organisation, but I think realistically the Matildas need to go really deep into this tournament for us to have any hope of seeing Sam Kerr out there. And that is such a tough one to stomach, Stacky. We know Canada, uh, the world number seven. We played them a couple of times here on home soil and we saw those attacking talents that they have within their side firsthand. So this is going to be a really tough clash. 
And my God, it'd be great to have that talismanic striker, one of the best footballers in the world there from an Australian perspective. But I just don't think we're going to see it. Backs to the wall stuff. Can't wait for it on Monday. Neve Owens, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Stacky. Speak soon. Final Ashes test is beautifully poised after Australia bowled out England for 283 with the tourists set to resume at 1 for 61. Mitchell Stark, he was the hero for the Aussies with four wickets despite injuring his AC joint in the last test. If you were asleep for the Ben Stokes scalp, this is what a peach sounds like. Oh, bowled in. What a beauty. Stokes looking to play. Leg side has been squared up. And his off pole is out the ground. That is a corker. The best audio of Peaches since the American presidents. Meanwhile, speaking of fruit, did you see Ricky Ponting having grapes thrown at him during his post-play interview of Todd Murphy? Have a listen as his colleague Ian Ward mentions it here. You better go because we're getting pelted by I grapes. I actually am. Someone just hit me with a grape and wouldn't mind finding out who it was. <laughs> well, actually. we'll do that after we come off air. The last time I saw Ponting looking that menacing was when Gary Pratt ran him out. Do you remember when Australian crowds were the louts? I feel like the English are really on our corner at the moment. Bad chat and bad form's our thing, isn't it? Regardless, the cricket has been enthralling. You can catch every ball live and commercial-free on the ABC Listen app. In the AFL, round 20 has blockbusters, mockbusters, bitter rivalries all weekend. Picking game of the round is harder than choosing between Barbie and Oppenheimer. Here's what we are excited for. Carlton and Collingwood can't go past it. They played out the game of the home and away season last year as the Pies ended the Navy Blues finals hopes. Despite one of the better individual performances you will ever see from Patrick Cripps. There it is! Collingwood record a famous victory. They win by a point. They come from behind to kick the last five goals of the match. And they deny the Blues September. And the pair go head-to-head Friday night in front of probably 80,000 plus. This will be electric. The Pies are the premiership favourites. The Blues have found form and are desperately chasing a place in the eight. No Sam Walsh for Carlton. That's a blow, but my goodness, this is going to be as good as they come. Victorians might think the showdown should be moved to the MCG, but for this week at least, it will be at the Adelaide Oval. The Power are coming off a narrow two-point defeat to the Pies. The Crows are backing up off a four-point loss to the Ds. If Port won a top-two spot, they need this. If Adelaide want to play finals, they need this. The suspense is terrible. I hope it will last. Finally, what about the mockbuster in Perth, West Coast and North Melbourne? The last time either side won was round two. It's been a season from hell for both teams. And if it was a club you had the misfortune of supporting, you might protect yourself by saying that a defeat here means pick one in the draft. So, hey, losing ain't so bad. Only thing is, even if West Coast win, their percentage is so poor, it would be unlikely to impact the draft order. Can the Eagles knock over the Kangas at Perth Stadium? Ex-North Melbourne skipper Jack Zebel has announced he'll retire at the end of the year, so it could be his final chance for a win. For the neutrals, this is actually going to be a very fun fixture. Like a 1990s action movie, I'm thinking True Lies or similar. So bad, it's good. Enjoy it for what it is on the ABC Listen app. Round 22 of the NRL is already underway and the Hot Boy Broncos have left the Roosters' finals hopes hanging by a thread with a 22-point win in Bruce Vegas. End of section. And it might be end of season for the Chooks. As far as making the finals is concerned, they've got five weeks left to do something. There's football reality, there's football probability, and then there's maths. And there's probably the last of those options left. Tonight, 
there is enormous games for both Parramatta and South Sydney, 8th and 9th respectively. The Eels have the Melbourne Storm at Dockland Stadium. And what a chance to say to the competition, hey, we just initiated our late season surge sequence by beating the NRL's perennial contenders. The Bunnies, they have the Tigers, who are getting lots of column inches at the moment, but not so many wins. South Sydney have been this weird mix of good and bad all season, and they're running out of time to get going, so it's just as well that Latrell Mitchell is back for this game. The other fixture we are quietly salivating over is the Panthers v Cronulla Saturday night at Penrith. Second v sixth. Phil Gus Gould reckons Penrith could win six premierships straight. Six. That would mean four more to come. There's also growing speculation about Jerome Luai with a 5-8 coming out of contract and lots of clubs looking for a playmaker. All adds to the intrigue and mystique around this game. Every single game this weekend, live and commercial free, as they are every weekend, on the ABC Listen app. That's a good deal. Time for sound bites. The Tour de France ended this week, and Matteo Mahorich did not win a yellow jersey, but he did win stage 19 and our hearts with this interview afterwards. I'm strong enough, but I know so are other 150 guys. I'm not the only one who can win a Tour de France stage, and every single rider at this moment would deserve a win because I saw the faces in Gropeto the other day on Col de la Loz. You know what, everyone's, what everyone else is going through, no? And, and you would like to, because I know how much it can change your life, a Tour de France win. I wish that everybody could win a Tour de France stage, but it's just not possible, and that's cruel, no? I love that guy. If you thought that hit you in the feels, how about the South African women's soccer team getting ready for their World Cup opener with a sing-along? The spine, it tingles. Speaking of cracking tunes, if there's one English cricketer who's adored by both sides of fans, it's the man responsible for this during Ben Stokes' pre-test presser. Middle for the UK. <laughs> Mark Wood. Terrifying with the ball. Dynamic on the decks. Woody. Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Copper 90, Tour de France, Sky Sports and Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.